Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. today we're going to continue in our series on the word of the year that we believe God is calling us to, which is step, which is the word step. And I believe that most of us start the new year off. You can call it a resolution. Some people go, I don't like new year's resolutions. I call them, I say, I have new year's goals. They're the same thing. Um, but we're just setting goals for the new year that we want to walk in and we want to change in our lives. Some of you have done that for your own physical life. You've done it for your financial life. You've done it for your family. But have you looked at it from a spiritual point of view? I think too often we don't set goals in our spiritual life because we're like, well, that, does, that seems a little unspiritual. No, I believe that we're supposed to set goals. I believe that Jesus came to earth with a mission and a plan. He didn't just show up and then get born in a manger because, well, they just won it. And it was like, oh, there was no place in the end. Joseph should have booked earlier. And it wasn't like things just happened to happen, right? He started his ministry at 30 years old. He was here for three years. I don't know about you, but if somebody told you you have three years left, you would live those three years very strategically, It wouldn't be just, well, let's see what happens in the next three years. You would plan those days out. And so I believe that we are supposed to have a plan and a mission, and God is calling us to take steps this year. Now, we can plan, and here's the amazing thing about God. We have to stay connected to him because Proverbs 16, 9 tells us this. In their hearts, humans plan their course. You have planned this year. You have set goals this year. But the Lord establishes their steps. That is a big but. So we have planned, we have prepared, and now we say, but God, he will establish our steps. He will lead us where we go if we are sensitive and listening to him. So we believe that God is asking all of us to do at least one of the following things. We did this last week. I want to see how many people remember it. And I'm, I'm going to actually ask the front row not to respond because the front row knows it. But I want to hear from the rest of you. What are the four things we believe God is asking us to step? Step in, step up, step on, step out. Everybody's all over the place, but we got all four of them. I don't expect them in an order. I always tell the person on the media, there's four slides. Good luck. Listen to the room and just throw that one up. So you may have got help by the screen or they stayed with you. But this morning, I want to look at somebody's life that's in the scriptures that took some major steps with God. And I want to look at a man named Abraham. He started off just known as Abram. I don't know about you, but here's what you have to understand. The closer you get to God, the more steps you take with him, he will actually change your identity to a point he'll change your name. And some of you are trying to figure out who you are and what God has called you to, but we're just not close enough to him. As we were worshiping this morning and we were uh, just in God's presence, I was trying to figure out what God was saying to us. And he started just speaking to me and then uh, the worship team led us and they led us in a great direction, but I was like, I don't know how this fits. And so I'm going to share it now. Here's what I believe God is sharing to some of us. As we sang the song, day and night, let incense arise. 
I believe that God was sharing this to me. I'm letting you know that as I wrote this down, I was like, he is speaking to me. But I also believe to share this with you because I think if I'm going to get slapped this morning by God, I just want you to. (laughs) Fair? All right? But I also believe that you can learn from it just as much as I did. Here's what I believe God is saying. God is wanting us to press in. When we sing day and night, let incense arise. I want you to know what that song means is not God's incense arise for us. It's our praise and worship arise to him. Right? So when you sing that, it's not, yes, Lord, day and night, just fill me with the fragrance of your presence. No, what we're actually singing is, God, day and night, let my praise bring a fragrance to you. And so some of us are wrestling with the same things because we haven't pressed in to the end. We have pressed in, you felt a little bit of freedom, you felt a little bit of victory, and you stopped, and all of a sudden you're like, man, I really thought I got through this, but we haven't pressed into the end. And here's the amazing thing about pressing into the end. The end is when Jesus returns or you go to be with him. There's going to be some things that you may wrestle with until the end. But this is why we're called to press in. And here's the thing that most of us, and I'm saying this because God spoke it to me, I've said these things, is I'm tired and I don't have time. Anybody ever say that? I'm tired, but I, don't, I just don't have time, if we're honest. Like we, you're like, well, no, Chad, I would never say that to God. But you will hit snooze 30 times and then say you don't have time to spend with him that morning. Oh, wait, that's me, Chad. Okay. Right now we're all on the same page. We don't have time. We're tired. I don't have time to get up in the morning because it's just late for work and I'm too tired to get up early. And that's because I can't miss my TV show tonight because I miss it the last couple of weeks. And so I'm going to binge watch tonight. And then therefore I'm going to be too tired to get up with God in the morning. Now some more people on the same page as me, right? Less hands on that one, but more head nods. I'm telling you, this is me. I'm not, I'm not saying something to you that God hasn't said to me this morning. Chad, it's not that you're too tired. You stayed up and binge watch a show because you felt like you deserved it because you had a busy day and now you can't get up in the morning to spend time with me because you're tired. And here's what I believe he's saying. What are our priorities? See, this week my son went snowboarding and he had to catch a ride early in the morning. And so I set my phone to go off so that I would wake up to make sure he was up so he didn't miss his ride. Good dad, but I'll tell you something. I set my alarm for 5.30 in the morning. The previous night, my last meeting ended at 11.30 at night. I didn't have a problem getting out of bed. Because you want to know what my priority was? Can I just... I'm, If you're new, this is as human as you're going to hear. I didn't want my son to sleep in and then I would be embarrassed that he was late for his ride. It's no, that's not really a clap. That's a, that's an embarrassment that I was worried about my reputation. And some of you were like good parenting. No, I was worried what somebody else would think about my parenting if my son wasn't ready. So therefore, I had no problem not hitting snooze, turning my alarm off, and getting out of bed. I don't want to confess to you when the last time I was up at 5.30 to spend time with Jesus. I believe there's steps that God is calling us to do because he's saying to us, when 
Where is our priority? Because see, here's the amazing thing with our lives. We can't get up early in the morning because we're too tired, but every one of us can get up if it's right. What do I mean by it's right? Maybe you have a shopping trip to the States and you don't want to be late. Maybe there's a golf tee-off time and you don't want to be late because you know you actually want to get to the putting green early to make sure your game's good enough to play. And none of us would be late for a start time of a sporting event. We want to get there early so we can actually watch the team warm up. What's our priorities? See, as I say this, hear me. I am speaking to myself. God was saying this to me this morning. You know, when we sent the email out to the church about, hey, to help us with the parking lot, because the parking lot is completely full today again, is when you come, start at the back, work your way forward. I have some good people in the church who know that they can joke with me, and they say, like, Chad, you're, so you're telling us to come at 9.59 so we can get a closed parking spot. <laughs> Do you want to know what I text back? And this is my humor, but it's also true. Actually, if you want to park close, you need to come for about 10 after, quarter after. <laughs> Few less laughs, right? You're like, oh, oh that's us. <laughs> What's our priorities? Where's our priorities? What is God calling you to this week? What is he asking you to step? Because here's the amazing thing as we sing that song. The truth is that God is worthy of it all. He is worthy of it all. As we look at Abram, we're introduced to him in Genesis 11. And, and here's why I, I'm pushing a little bit this morning on where's our priorities. Because Abraham changed not just his life. He changed the world. We're introduced to Abram and his family in Genesis 11 when Abram's father took his family and, and headed for Canaan. He headed for Canaan. Do you understand that Canaan was the promised land that Moses took them to? Sorry, Joshua did. But when they came to Haran, the scripture says they settled there. They settled there. God put it on Terah's heart, Abram's father, to go to Canaan, which Abraham then was then sent to later, and Moses led the Israelites to the end edge of it, and Joshua brought them into the promised land. I want you to imagine for a minute what it would feel like to be Terah, and God put it on your heart to take your family and go. And then what's recorded in Scripture is on your way to Canaan, you got close, you got halfway there, and then you stopped and you listened to these words, settled there. Here's my concern. Where in my life have I settled? Where in your life have you settled? That God put something on your heart. He gave you a promise. He called you to something. You know it's in you, but you made it so far and you're like, you know what? I'm actually kind of comfortable right here. And we settled. 
And here's the thing. When you settle, you always settle for less. What has God called you to that you're just kind of paused in? You're just kind of like, it's hard. You know what? Right here, I went this far. And it's kind of like, you know what? It's kind of comfortable. See, Abram's decision impacted his family forever. Genesis 22, verse 17 and 18, it says this. This is God speaking to Abram. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Because you have obeyed me. Remember last week we talked about obeying God. Do you understand how blessing and obedience go together with God? Full obedience. Complete obedience. And through your offspring, listen to this, all nations on earth, not just your family, not just your kids, your grandkids, all nations on earth will be blessed. Man, what an amazing moment in Abram's life. Today, you can't do it in this moment, but I don't even know if when the last time you would. We've had such kind of bad weather, but I want you to think about when you looked to the sky and you saw the stars in the sky. How many of you counted them? Anybody? And like counted them all, got to the very last one. Nobody? This will keep your kids busy at night. You'd be like, count them all. <laughs> how many people, the amount of sand on the seashore, do you know how much sand that is? Do you know how much sand is just on a golf course? I know, I spend a lot of time with it. <laughs> there is a lot of sand in this world. I want you to think about the promise that was given to Abram. As many stars, as much sand. This is going to be your descendants. Through his family. Now, I want you to understand God's promises. Abram, through Sarah, had one son. He never saw the promise fulfilled. See, the step that you're asked to take, the step that you might take today, will impact your family for generations and you'll never see it. But will you be faithful and obedient enough to take the step to see how it changes your family for generations? Could you imagine Abram? One kid... Walking with God. God, was this a sick joke? God, I know what you promised me. Have you ever asked this? God, I know what you promised me. What have I done wrong that I haven't seen it fulfilled? But Abram, knowing that he had obeyed, knowing that he was faithful, knew that he did everything God had called him to. And still believe for the promise because scripture actually calls him the man of faith. 
He is our example of what faith is. And he was faithful to the end when all he saw was one grain of sand. And yet, he was a man of faith. Are you okay if the promises you know God has given you will be fulfilled through one of your children? Are you okay if the promises that God has given you will be fulfilled through some of your great-great-grandchildren, you'll never see it. You will be faithful to the end, but you technically don't see it. Will you stay faithful and build up your next generation to fulfill God's call? I don't believe that's just for you as a family. I think that's a question for us as a church. Will we be faithful to see the next generations fulfill the call of God that he has for Bethel Church? What if some of the things you've been praying for to see happen in Stratford, to see happen in the surrounding communities, never happens while you're alive, but the way you invest in the next generation one of them rises up to do what you've been praying for. See, we don't know what spiritual leader for Perth County is up in our kids' wing right now. It could be a world changer. It could be the Isaac. It could be the, uh, it could be the Esau. It could be Joshua. It could be Moses. We don't know. But God is so faithful, we just have to invest and pour in. Well, Chad, what about us? Pastor Melissa asked a great question this morning when we were singing that uh, hell lost another one, I'm free. Let me ask you a question. How many of you in this room know where you're going? If you die right now, how many of you will end up in heaven? Okay, I want you to keep your hand up for a minute. So here's how I understand the gospel. I know where I'm going. Therefore, it is no longer about me. It is about the ones who don't know. That's who it's about. So if you have your hand up, you need to almost put your other hand on your heart and say, I understand that this isn't about me anymore. So Chad, you don't care about us? No, I care about you. But I also care that you're sharing the gospel with other people. You're doing what God has called you to do. Because if you stop sharing the gospel and you say that's somebody else's job, then my understanding is you're telling God, I'm done, take me home. Because he's called each and every one of us to go into the world and share the gospel. Every decision we make is for the next generation. Will we stay faithful? On that, I want to thank so many people that are in this room and watching online that have worked so hard and have prayed so hard and poured into Bethel spiritually, physically, and financially so that we can be where we are today, that we can plant a church in St. Mary's. We're doing it because you've invested in this generation 
Now I'm asking you to invest in the next. And I'm asking this generation to invest in the next. Begin to pour out. What will the next generation do? I will tell you this. It will not look the same way it looks now. Why? Because it doesn't look the way your parents had it. It doesn't look the way your grandparents had it. The way your grandparents had church and the way you had church, they disagreed with. The same as right now, maybe grandparents disagree with the way their teenagers have church. But many of the religious leaders in Jesus' day missed Jesus. It's the next generation. Well, Chad, what about us? I am a father of two kids. I am in the stage of life. People ask me all the time, hey, you coming out to play this? You coming out to play this? I will tell you, I'm in the stage of my life right now where my kids play. What do I mean by that? I don't, I don't play hockey right now. I don't play baseball right now. I take my kids to play hockey. I take my kids to play baseball. I take my kids to swimming. I take my kids to things. Why? Because it's their turn. And I cheer them on because my goal in life is that they will replace me. And when they replace me, they don't start where I started. They start on my shoulders and they go higher. The same is in spiritual world where I have had mentors who said to me, Chad, stand on our shoulders and go farther than we ever could. This is what God is calling us to as a church, to allow the next generation to stand on our shoulders and go farther. Well, Chad, we're already doing that. I think we are doing a great job. But I think when I watch Abram and I see how he was so faithful just to one, and I see how it changed a world, what can we do? What is he calling us to? Now I want to talk about in our own homes. As parents, as grandparents, as aunts and uncles, as spiritual parents. How do we invest in the next generation? I'm going to share something with you that I'm going to share gently. We've asked kids in our church, a couple questions. We asked how often you pray together as a family, not for dinner. We've asked how often you read the Bible as a family, daily devotions as a family. How often do your parents just pray with you at night? And it was staggeringly low. Now, I know a lot of people immediately look at pastors as we talk about family devotions and they're like, well, your family is perfect. The moment we start family devotions, it's like a laugh, like everybody came down with the spirit of laughter. (laughs) Trying to do family devotions is so challenging at times because people are tickling each other, people are poking each other. It's, it's the same as in your house. But it doesn't mean it shouldn't happen. And I'm sharing this with you as this. As my wife is sitting right here. 
This is something we need to improve on as well. But your kids not should only see you doing devotions. They should. They should see you doing devotions. But not only that, when they come to you with a problem, sometimes as parents, as aunts and uncles, we don't solve it for them. We pray with them. Years ago, I used to do youth ministry. And when I asked the students, what's the one thing you wish you did more at home? Most of them would say family devotions. Now, all the parents of teenagers are like, not my kid, Chad. It is like pulling teeth. It's like a fight. So let me clarify. Your teenager still wants family devotions. They just don't want to be taught at. They're taught at all day long at school. They come to church and it doesn't matter if it's youth or Sunday mornings or when it is, there's somebody standing here speaking to them and at them. They want to do devotions with you. So if they ask you a question, your body language says so much. How you express yourself says so much. When they ask a question, even if you know the answer, parent, I suggest you saying, you know what? Let's try to find it together and dive into the scriptures together. So now that they're teaching themselves and you're teaching them how to teach themselves. If they question something about church, if they question something about God, if they question anything, be okay with it because they need that safe place to ask they need a safe place to go, I don't like that. Many of us read through the scriptures and there's a lot of verses we don't like. Walk with them gently. Because here's what Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 to 9 says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your house, and on your gates. Abram's decision to follow God changed everything for him. What you and I do today can affect our children and our great-grandchildren forever. To understand Deuteronomy 6, I want to read the first three verses. Here's what it says. These are the commands... Decrees and laws the Lord your God directed to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. They're about to go in. So that you and your children, listen to this, you and your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy Long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that, you may, that it may go well with you 
and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. I'm about to give you the promises. I'll give you all the promises that I promised your ancestors. But you need to listen and to obey what I told them to listen and obey to. And remember, they didn't listen and obey. That's why they're not going into the promised land. So as we go in, as we step into territory that I believe generations before us has prepared for us, we need to be careful to still obey everything that God instructs us to obey. See, the promise isn't the end or the fulfillment. The promise is the beginning. When they went into the promised land, they weren't done. It was actually the beginning. So when you step into the promise, the work isn't over. For many of us, the work is just beginning. But now, if we stay obedient and we stay faithful, we will grow and enjoy a long life if we be careful to obey it will go well and we will increase. It's a season of growth. It's a season for you personally and for your family to grow. It's the promise, the beginning. It's not the end or the destination. Now it makes more sense when you read four to nine. When we teach our kids, when we impart it to them, wherever we go, walking, driving, sitting, at home, on the road, at a restaurant, we continually impart to them what God has instructed us to do. We teach our children about God's faithfulness. We teach them to love the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their strength. Are we teaching our children about God and his faithfulness? As we walk through difficulties, can we walk through the difficulties and still communicate to our children of the next generation? That God is still faithful and he's still good. Are we allowing our children to take time to talk about their faith, to ask questions so that we can pour into them. If your students, if your nieces, if your nephews, if they're not wanting to do devotions, then I will tell you, you need to start probably with an apology. An apology because they don't feel safe to ask questions. So they've just shut it down. We did a parenting course with Brett Ullman videos online. And, and one of the things he said is he was talking at a church about pornography. And he got an email shortly after from one of the pastor's sons. And he said, if I ever struggle with pornography, he wasn't struggling. If I ever do, can I contact you? And Brett says he responded back and said, 
absolutely, but why don't you talk to your dad? And he said, my dad got in the car tonight after your presentation and said, what kind of idiot would let themselves get addicted to pornography? And he said, my dad told me in that moment he was not safe to talk to about anything. Not just pornography, anything. We have to be a safe place for people to ask questions. We have to be a safe place for people to come and say, I'm struggling with this. Or I'm struggling with that. Because if the devil can keep your struggles in the darkness, he wins. The moment we're a safe place to share our struggles is the moment that we kick the devil in his face. And that's actually okay. As a church... I believe we have to start being honest that none of us are perfect in this room. I will be the first. If you, if you think I'm perfect, you haven't spent enough time with me. And by that, you just probably need five minutes. <laughs> but if we can let people be honest, and here's what I encourage parents especially, Practice your facial responses in a mirror. Practice with one another. Practice questions or statements your kids could say to you. I'm pregnant. I got somebody pregnant. These are statements that your facial response cannot be negative. Because here's what you have to realize. And here's what we have to realize as a church when somebody confesses something to you. If you're in a relationship, if you're in a friendship with, another, with other guys, if you're in a friendship with other ladies, and they voice to you a struggle, I am struggling with this. If they say to you, men, if they get together with you and they say, I'm actually, hey, guys, there's like three of us here. I am struggling with pornography. Your response will teach them whether it's safe or not. We have to be strong together. Not only for us, but for the next generation. That they realize that church is a safe place. Church is the place where we learn about all of this stuff. Where we talk about sex. Yes, sex. Turn to your neighbor, say sex. <laughs> Understand this. Understand this. Understand this. Some of you didn't do it, and that's fine. I understand it's a weird thing to do, but here's what you have to understand. Because we did not teach the next generation what the Bible says about sex is where we are today with sexuality. Amen. Until you are able to say the word sex and realize it's actually a God-given gift for you to enjoy in the context of marriage between a husband and a wife, a male and a female, then we can't look outside these walls and judge and question them. 
we messed up, not them. Abram took a step for his family. He took a step that affected the world. What if your step today could affect your family forever? Psalm 78, five to seven, it says this. He decreed statues of Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children and they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. What if today, what if this year was the year that the generational bondages break and they stop with you because you take the step of faith? You have to understand because of Abram's step in the Old Testament, Jehovah is repeatedly called the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's what they referred to him, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is who we worship They didn't even really say Jehovah. They said the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because of Abram's step, one decision, Exodus 20, verse six, showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. If we love God and keep his commands, he will love on the thousands of generations to come. We just need to make this decision in Joshua 24, 15. In serving the Lord, If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Either gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Ephrates or the gods of the Amorites in those lands you, in whose lands you are living. And then you draw a line in the sand. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And understand, when we decide that, when we decide in our house we're going to serve the Lord, we serve him through love. We serve him through grace. We teach the next generation God's love, grace, and mercy. Because he taught us by showing us love and grace and mercy. Let's pray. Prayer team, will you come? Father, I just thank you this morning that because Abram made a choice, because he made a decision, it affected the world for generations. We are still walking in his blessing. And so, Lord, this morning, as there's so many people in this room that are moms and dads, that are aunts and uncles, that are spiritual parents, that are grandparents, that, Lord, we can speak into the next generation. We can make choices today that will break off generational bondages in Jesus' name. Lord, I believe there's people in this room and watching online that they are struggling with something that they saw their parents struggle with, that they saw their grandparents struggle with. And the more they begin to understand that this is not a struggle, that this is a generational thing. That Lord, this morning, they can actually stand in the gap for their kids. They can repent on behalf of themselves, their parents and their grandparents. And that Lord, we can break it off today in the name of Jesus Christ. And that we can leave here Free, not just ourselves, but the generations to follow because of the choice and the step that we made today. 
And so Holy Spirit, help us to step. Not just for ourselves, but for the generations that follow us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 